Thank you, Austin. And uh, as we get started today, I want to give you just a quick little update. You know, every once in a while, we'll give a little feature of something going on. And uh, this past week, I received an email from one of the leaders of Celebrate Recovery, giving us just a little update of some of the stuff going on there on Tuesday night. And uh, the story is a couple of stories. One is a couple of weeks ago, one of our people at Celebrate Recovery had been mentioning that they had been struggling with abdominal pain for two or three weeks. And they came to Celebrate Recovery anyway, in spite of the pain. A leader there prayed with her that night, and she reported back a few days later that when she had been prayed for, that in that, uh, that evening, that she was absolutely healed. A woman in recovery, also another woman had been praying for her son who was running away from home continually, and her son has now just accepted Christ and is getting his life back in balance because of Jesus. That's the power of what our God can do. Amen? Amen. Uh, maybe you online could put in a little amen right there to celebrate with us. And so uh, we're glad you're here today. And uh, voici la question. Uh, by the way, bonjour, mon ami. We're so glad that you are here. And uh, here is the question. Est-ce que vous êtes prêts? Here it is. Are you ready to study God's word today? Okay. We are in Psalm 133, Psalm 133. If you have a Bible, feel free to open that right now, or you might even want to get it out on your phone, because there are some things that you might not catch on the screen if you look at it in your own Bible, okay? And we're starting this new series today called Forward Together. Now, when... When you get to know me, one of the things that you learn is I love coffee. I love coffee. And I really like coffee shops. Like, I like the idea of owning a coffee shop until I actually, like, talk to my friends who have owned them. And I realize, like, it's not nearly as fun and hipster as it sounds. Like, it's a lot of hard work. But I love coffee shops. I love the sight. I love the sounds. I love the smells. I love the atmosphere. I love seeing the people come and go. In fact, a lot of the Bible studying that I've done over the years preparing for Sunday messages has been done in coffee shops out in the community. And one of the things that I love about that is that it reminds me that what we do as a church is not just about what happens in a building like this, that being the church is about being engaged in the life of the city. And, and so, so when, when I was sitting in a coffee shop, I started to think about this word community and what it means to be together. And here was my Starbucks revelation moment. Are you ready? Here's the big idea for today. I've discovered that proximity does not equal community. Just because you're 
physically close to people. You could go to a big city like, like Toronto and walk on the sidewalk shoulder to shoulder or on uh, the subway or a, a city bus, or you could go to a busy restaurant with people crowded all around. You remember what that used to be like <laughs> back in the day? We don't get to do that uh, with, with distancing like we used to, where people were just kind of all around and, and breathing in each other's space. And, and, and what you'll find, though, in an environment like that is, is just because you are in close proximity to a lot of people, that does not equate to the experience of community. And so as I thought about this word togetherness, going somewhere together, and, and the idea of community, I'm sitting in a Starbucks, and we're all sitting in the same room. We're all drinking some kind of, of coffee drink, sharing in the same experience. We're all listening to the same music and yet not experiencing true community. Stay with me now. In church, just like in Starbucks, we can come to church and sit in the same room. Come on now. And sit in the same room and, and, and share in the same experience and even sing the same music and yet walk away wondering, why did I, I not experience that sense of closeness and relationship that my heart longs for? What was missing? And I think we're going to see the answer to that here in Psalm 133. I love this psalm. It's really short. We're going to read the whole chapter. We can fit it all on one screen. Psalm 133 was written by King David about 2,000 years ago. Let's read it out loud together just so that you can get a whole feel for it, and then we'll go back and talk about it line by line. But David says in Psalm 133 altogether, he says, how good and pleasing it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his what? His blessing, even life forevermore. Now, as you see, this is a tiny little chapter. I mean, it might be one of the smallest chapters in the Bible. It's only three little verses, but it is power-packed with amazing imagery and all kinds of meaning and subtext that you might not understand if you don't know some of these names and places. Now, before we get into these names and places, let, let's note something, first of all, that's, that's really important. If you have your Bible open, whatever translation it is, it is very likely that right underneath where it says Psalm 133, and right before verse 1, right in between, right there is a heading, it says, a song of ascent. How many of you see that in your Bible? Okay. A song of ascent. The Hebrew phrase here in the original language in the Bible is shir hamahalat. And shir hamahalat means in English a song of ascent. In the Bible, there are only 150 psalms. And of the 150 psalms, only 15 only 15 of the Psalms are labeled as Shir Hamahalat, which means a song of ascent. 
So why is that important? What this tells us, this is one of the 15 songs that the pilgrims would sing 2,000 years ago on their journey to the place of worship in Jerusalem. Now, Jerusalem is at a high elevation. It's one of the highest places. And, and no matter where you come from in Israel, if you go to Jerusalem, you are ascending. That's why when you read in the Bible, a lot of times it says, and then they went up to Jerusalem. Because it doesn't matter what direction you come from, going to Jerusalem means going up. It's ascending. And so I want you to imagine when you read this psalm, I want you to picture in your mind a group of believers. Maybe you could just close your eyes and picture it. A group of believers who are, who are ascending towards Jerusalem, climbing together on their way to the place of worship. Now, we don't know what the tune goes like. Uh, and so I guess maybe we can make our own. I, I kind of think of it like Elf. Uh, Buddy the Elf would sing in the movie Elf. I, I think, you know, how good and pleasing it is when brothers live together in unity. You want to sing along? Do you know the two? Uh, it, it's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is the dew of Hermon. We're falling, falling, falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing in life forevermore. Amen. Hey, kids, are you still awake? Okay. I know that's just a lot of silliness. You're like, Joel, why are you making a fool of yourself? I'm trying to make the point that this is not just a poem. It is a song that they sang together, going where? On their ascent, journeying to the place of worship in Jerusalem on Mount Zion. Okay? Now... Three ideas here that I think are really important for us today. And what we've just talked about tells us the first one. Number one, that true community is a byproduct. Remember we talked about how creating community, it can be a challenging thing. That you don't just stick people in a room and all of a sudden you automatically have community. And I think sometimes that can become a problem historically in churches when we think that the main goal is community. And so we just want to be one big happy family. We all want to get along. We don't want to bring up any controversials or do anything that would ruffle feathers because community and unity becomes the goal for some people. But, but it never works. And here's why it never works. Community in it and of itself is a horrible goal. Now, it's a good byproduct, but it's a poor goal. Because community comes as a byproduct of pursuing something else together with other people. And so it is when we pursue something of great value. It's when we are building something together, when we are accomplishing something together for the glory of God, that in the process, we experience community along the way. Oh, let, let, let's talk about this for a minute. There were two teams of workers who were building a grand cathedral. They're building this huge cathedral 
And of the two groups, one group was not doing a very good job. They were fighting and arguing and not nearly as productive as the other team. The other team was working together as a team and they were getting much more done every single week. And so they sent a supervisor to come and, and analyze these two groups. And he goes to the first group and he asks the question, what is your goal? What are you doing? And they look down at the dirt and they, they pointed to the bricks and they say, well, can't you see we are laying bricks? We are making mortar. We're doing our job, putting in our time, getting our paycheck and going home. So then the supervisor goes to the other side of the cathedral that's in construction and asks the very same question. What is your goal? What is it that you are doing and instead of looking down to the dirt, this group looked up to the sky and they began to describe it. They said, we are building a beautiful cathedral. And they began to tell exactly what it was going to look like and what a joy it was to be part of building something together for the glory of God. And so what was the difference between these two groups? The first, port, the first group was, was focused on the bricks, right? They were focused upon their little piece of the puzzle and, and, and whether they were being treated fairly and, and what it was that, that they felt like they deserved. But the other group instead was looking up and focusing on the big picture and what it was they were trying to build together for the glory of God. And I wonder if sometimes... The problems that churches can get into is when we're focused on our own little piece of the puzzle and how everything affects me personally, rather than setting our gaze upon the kingdom of God and what it is we are building together for the glory of Jesus, right? That's the difference. And so, so I'm glad that five people are with me on the journey here today. Maybe, maybe, maybe some of the online people will help and give me a little amen right now. Okay. And so uh, in one of his songs, John Lennon sings, life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Life is what happens when you are busy making other plans. And in the same way, community is what happens when together we focus on a greater goal. Question, what is that greater goal around here? What do we call it? Our goal is, it is God's love in us to the world. That is our mission. That's the goal. And some of the greatest relationships in my life, some of the closest friends that I have ever had where we built truly trusting and, and powerful relationships. It's not because we just sat down one day and said, hey, could we be friends? That's not how it happened. It happened when together we were pursuing the same purpose, going after Jesus, building his church together, serving together out in the community, going through hard times together, but lifting up the name of Jesus in the midst of it all. And in the pursuit of our common goal, the byproduct was what? Community. It's what we got along the way. 
And so as they went up to Jerusalem to worship, they sang, how good and pleasing it is when brothers live together in unity. I'm going to record this album. You just watch. And so they were singing on the journey, ascending to the place of worship, walking shoulder to shoulder as they together pursued the glory of the kingdom of God here on earth as it is in heaven. Continue on to verse 2. It says, It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. Now, what does that mean? Well, in the Old Testament, oil was an important part of the worship experience. They would use oil to consecrate a a priest or a king for the service of God. But, But this is not just the anointing of any person. It specifically says that the oil is running down on whose beard? On Aaron's beard. Now, who is Aaron? Aaron lived hundreds and hundreds of years before the writing of Psalm 133. So why in the world would they go back even further in history and David, who who is likely the author of this song, why would it reference oil, community being like oil running down on Aaron's beard? Because Aaron was the first high priest. Hundreds of years before this, Aaron was the very first high priest that Israel ever had. He was the keeper of the tabernacle of the Lord. He was the guardian of all that was sacred. And so what does that tell us? I think that means that true community is sacred. That true community is sacred. That when believers come together, it's different than the relationships that you have with your golfing buddies. It's different than your relationship with your coworkers or with the people you go to school with or or play hockey with. It's different than your relationship even with your biological family. I have traveled the world and there are times when I have been on a boat in Egypt or the subway in London or a bus on, in Eastern Europe. And, 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 and I look across the aisle and see someone who catches my attention. There seems to be a light that surrounds them. And, and so we begin to talk and have a conversation. And I sense something. And I start to think, you know what? I wonder if this person is a Christian. I mean, they haven't even said anything about it, but it's kind of like the spirit of Christ in them is connecting with the spirit of Christ in me. Have you ever had this happen before? And and, and sure enough, as you begin to talk, you find out it's true that, that this person halfway around the world who barely speaks my language, we come from completely different cultures. It would seem on the outside that we have little in common, and yet there is something that is sacred about the bond that believers share when we are pursuing Jesus together. Oh, it's so good. And so that's why number three, true community is a gift. Now, what do we mean by that? It's a gift. It's something special that God gifts to us. Well, there is something that you miss here in verse 3 if you you don't know about Israel 
geography. Now, I love taking people to the Middle East and, and taking people to the Bible, you know, the place where the Bible is written over the years to see people come alive and, and read things like Psalm 133 that many of us, until we have studied this or experienced it for ourselves, we would read Psalm 133 and this line would make no sense to us whatsoever. But uh, if you'd like to find out, here a little, a little plug, uh, we're planning on booking another trip in 2022. We think that's enough time, a year and a half, to hopefully get all this stuff settled out and being able to go again. So if you'd like to come to Israel with me in 2022, stay tuned, start saving up, and, and we can do that together. But until you understand the geography, you don't understand what's going on here in Psalm 133. So let's talk about these two places. And I think the easier one of the two is Mount Zion because most churches, most Christians have heard of a place called Mount Zion. Where is Mount Zion? Well, it's kind of tricky because when it says Mount Zion, it's actually talking about Jerusalem. This is a, a picture of Jerusalem, not as it looks today, but as it looked 2,000 years ago in the time of David. You see here it marks David's palace and the, the Gihon, Gihon Spring. And, and by the way, I pulled this because it's an archaeological uh, thing that you can go and see to this day. The stepstone structure has been uncovered by archaeologists just in the last few years. It's fantastic. It's so really cool. But anyway, Mount Zion is the ancient name of the hill upon which the city of Jerusalem was built. It had many names. It was also called Mount Moriah, not like Mariah Carey, Moriah with an O, Moriah. Today, it is called the Temple Mount. This is the spot today where you see the big, shiny Muslim gold dome, right? The Dome of the Rock. That's the Temple Mount is Mount Zion. Now, for much of the year, Jerusalem is in drought. For about six or seven months of the year, uh, from around April till about October, there is no rain in Jerusalem. Nada, zero, zilch, none. In fact, just for fun this week, now it's September, we're not even in the middle of summer, just for fun, uh, because I was there in March, right before we brought our group out of Israel, right before they shut down the border, we were like one of the very last groups out, the very last day out of Israel before they shut the country down for coronavirus. And we all came back, all 45 or whatever it was, and nobody, uh, nobody was brought anything back. So just so you know. Okay. Uh, Jerusalem. This week on Wednesday, I thought just for fun, I still had it on my phone app. I just keep Jerusalem as one of the cities that I check the weather on to see how it's going. It's kind of cooling down now. It's only 93 Fahrenheit in Jerusalem right now, which is what, 30 a lot. And so, but that's, this is kind of starting to get into the cool season now in Jerusalem uh, throughout the rest of the winter. But even now in September, how many clouds and rain do you see in the forecast? This is not an anomaly. This is the exact same forecast of sun every single day for six months. So Jerusalem, for most of the year, is a dry and thirsty land. 
But then sometime around November, imagine what happens when the first rain clouds begin to form. It's so cool. Even to this day, sometimes children will be let out of school to, to leave their desks and run out and play and dance and sing on the city streets because rain has again come to Mount Zion. Now, what does this have to do with the dew of Hermon. I'm glad you asked. Hermon is actually a mountain range that is just north of the Sea of Galilee. It's the highest point in the entire region. And so because of that, it captures most of the precipitation for the region. And so it doesn't matter how hot it is in all of Israel, what do you always find on top of Mount Hermon? Do you see? What's that white stuff in the picture? What is it? Snow. Glorious snow. Hey, kids, I have a question for you. What is snow made of? Pixie dust? What water? Yes, yes. Snow is made of water. And so I want you to imagine being in Jerusalem, in Mount Zion, in a dry and thirsty land, in the season of drought, and you look up towards Mount Hermon, and you see all that cool, refreshing snow, glorious snow. Imagine how your mouth would water to think of your dry city in Mount Zion receiving the dew from the top of Mount Hermon. And listen, how many of you have experienced a dry season in your life? Times when you felt alone and empty, when you needed a season of refreshing from the Lord. And verse 3 says, a time when it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. That is the beauty of Christian community when you don't know what to do and you don't know where to turn. And then all of a sudden, somebody shows up who's a fellow believer in Jesus, someone who is filled with the love of Jesus. And they come along and they put their arm around you and they begin to speak encouragement into to you. They begin to speak hope to you. They begin to declare over you the promises of God. People who are deeply rooted and know this book as the foundation for their lives. People who cry when you cry and rejoice when you rejoice. Folks, when you have friends like that, it is a gift from God. And so listen, listen, I look around this room today and I see people like that in my life. I see people who have prayed for me, people who have helped me when I was in need, people who have believed in me when I did not believe in myself. I'm so grateful for that kind of spiritual community. And what breaks my heart is I know that for many, maybe you're in a dry season right now. And maybe that's what you need right now. And folks, listen, we're talking about it today because the season is about to launch for small groups. If you've not been part of one, you can go to mw.church groups. Listen, I'm not, I'm not telling you that being part of a small group is gonna solve all the problems in your life. 
In fact, sometimes it'll add the problems of other people now to your plate. You're like, oh man, I don't need that. But listen, it's when we share our burdens together, when we serve out in the community together. It's on the journey that we experience the beauty of what God has for us. And some of you, maybe right now, God is speaking to your heart and telling you, you know what? Maybe not just being a receiver in a group, maybe, maybe you could be a leader in a group. And I wonder if God might be calling some of you and preparing you to be a leader for a group. We'd love to help equip you and train you and get you ready to go. We have all different types of groups and some of them are online, completely online. We've got people who have been who are part of small groups right now who are in parts around the world. And so please in the next week or two and we've got a, you're going to hear more about that at the end of the service about the little tent that we have out in the parking lot. But I want to pray for you today. I want to pray a blessing of fellowship and community over you. But before, listen, before we do, I want you to remember, before we do, remember that community is not the goal. It's a byproduct. That if you are just looking for relationships, and listen, this is what so often we do. If you're just looking for what other people can do for you, if you're only focused on what you can get rather than what you can give, that seldom works out well. But listen, the way we find it is when together, when together we are going after Jesus. When we're going after Jesus together, and that's the joy of small groups, getting out on the street, serving and helping people in need. That's the joy of serving in things like children's ministry and and celebrate recovery, and the list goes on and on. That's the joy of the prayer meetings that we have throughout the week. And now we have multiple online prayer meetings throughout the week on Zoom, and we have started another new prayer meeting just this week on Thursday at noon, right here at the church, in person, with distancing in place. And why is that so important? Because as we join together with others, pursuing the kingdom of God, we will find that relationships develop as a byproduct of pursuing Christ first in our lives. And so I just want to ask Wherever you are, whether you're online right now, maybe you're on home, at home, maybe you're driving a car and you need to pull over to the side of the road, don't pray with your eyes closed, please. But everybody else in the room, as we get ready to pray together, I want to ask if you'd go ahead and stand. Father, just in this moment, what comes to mind is what it was like for me the beginning of July when we were able to come back into this room and worship together in person. 
how for me being with other believers, going after Jesus together, praying together, worshiping together, studying God's word together, online is wonderful. And we, we don't want to in any way make people who are online only right now feel like second class citizens. And I understand, we understand, and we want to be a church that's valuable for both people who are fully online and fully here in person and everywhere in between. But I'm just speaking for myself, Lord, as I remember what it was like to come back into this room and how my soul was nurtured and fed by seeing the faith of my fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. How good and pleasing it is when brothers and sisters live together in unity. It's sacred like the oil flowing down over the head and into Aaron's beard and down on the collars of his robe that there is something holy and spiritual and powerful in our community together when we are in Christ. And Lord, we pray that in this new season, even in the midst of all the challenges that the problems in this world brings right now, that the anointing oil of community would bless your children. It is like the dew of Mount Hermon falling on Mount Zion. Right now, Lord, I pray all around this room and online for everyone who is with us in this moment. Lord, I pray for those especially who are feeling that they are in a dry and dusty season. They're in a spiritual drought. Lord, that hope would rise up from deep within that you're about to do a new thing in their lives. <laughs> that you want so much more for them, that you long to be in a relationship with them, that they would know that right now, that they would feel your very spirit reaching down and touching with their spirit. And for those who do not know you, for anyone who's with us today who has never made a decision for Jesus, we know that just community, just being part of a church is not nearly enough. That the common goal we all pursue is our relationship with you. For Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And anyone who comes to the Father, oh, that's the way to a relationship with you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. And so right now, anybody who's with us, who, who's ready to make that decision, and you realize that there's a longing in your heart and that only God can fill it. Right now, right now, would you confess your sin? Sin means that you have fallen short of God's perfect plan for your life. Sin means that you have lived selfishly and for yourself, not all the time. Of course, we're all generous and kind and good some of the time, but that at your core, you know there's something wrong there's something that does not line up. And so right now, for anyone in this room who's ready, would you just confess your sin and believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for your sin? 
He who was perfect became the perfect sacrifice for us, we who are not perfect. And that his blood, the Bible says, the, the sacrifice, the punishment for sin is death. And so he died in his blood right now. If you will receive him, invite him into your heart. His blood is washing away your sin. That even right now, ask him to forgive you. And he is faithful to do what he has promised. That right now, he is washing your sin away and, and giving you a new beginning, a new start that can only come through the death and the resurrection power of Jesus. And Lord, anybody right now who's prayed that prayer, anyone right now who is surrendering to you, Lord, we pray together rejoicing with them because we know that there is a spiritual transaction that takes place when we cross that line of faith. And it doesn't mean that everything's gonna be perfect right now. We're still gonna face challenges, but we know, Lord, that you are with them and we are with them because together we are the family of God, the church of Jesus Christ, building your kingdom here on this earth. In the name of Jesus, would you welcome those folks to the family who have prayed today and let's sing today and declare that with all of our hearts. Remember, if you're a robust singer, this is a good time if you sing loud like me. Let's invite him to be the center of our common.